Hello, everyone, and welcome to the June 20th edition of WarComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The hope of California employers to reverse the WCAB en banc decision in the controversial Almaraz-Guzman case was shattered when the 5th District Court of Appeal rejected the petition of the State Compensation Insurance Fund to overturn the Almaraz decision, the only case which remains in the appellate process. The information on the Court of Appeal website provides little information about their reason. The petition was summarily denied by order. The state fund now has the option in the Almarez case to petition for hearing before the California Supreme Court. However, the California Supreme Court declined to hear the controversial 6th District Court of Appeal decision in the companion Guzman case last November. It would not seem likely that the Supreme Court would have interest in reviewing the Almarez case when they have declined to hear the identical arguments in Guzman. Guzman is now final and binding law. Thus, there is not much hope left for a reversal of the Almaraz-Guzman erosion of the standards set by the AMA guides. This outcome happens at the junction of serious economic and political challenges to the state of California. This year, several other states have adopted landmark workers' compensation reform law, hoping to stimulate business growth to combat high unemployment rates. Illinois was the most recent state to pass a reform package, which cleared an otherwise liberal legislature a few weeks ago. Thus far, there has been little indication about how newly elected California Governor Jerry Brown will approach the cost of workers' compensation in our state. A few bills are working the way through the legislature that will add to the cost of workers' comp. One seeks to water down the potential for apportionment of permanent disability. The remaining hope for California employers to reduce the cost of workers' compensation in order to compete in national and international economies now seems to be mostly with the final say of Governor Brown and the use of his veto power. A closely watched New Jersey Superior Court case has now issued a published opinion that ruled for the first time that a plaintiff attorney may be awarded an attorney fee directly out of a Medicare set-aside account. It is expected that plaintiff and applicant attorneys will now consider the practice of attempting to recover attorney fees in cases where MSAs are created as a result of settlements or awards. The case is Hensinger v. Showboat Atlantic City. After Hensinger's injury, he was declared totally disabled by the Social Security Administration and became eligible for Medicare. Hensinger filed a civil action and settled his case in August 2010 for $600,000. His attorney contacted the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services and learned that Medicare had not made any conditional payments. In an effort to comply with the requirements of the secondary payor provisions, the parties agreed to allocate over $180,000 to Medicare set-aside trusts. Hensinger's attorney then filed a motion to withdraw a portion of his fees from the money allocated to the Medicare Trust. There is no law in place regarding deducting attorney's fees from the Medicare set-aside trusts in civil cases. The New Jersey court found no reason to apply a different standard in liability cases and that which workers' compensation standard cases apply. 
Federal law provides that where recovery is sought from the party that received payment, Medicare reduces its recovery by the costs expended in procuring the judgment or settlement if the procurement costs are incurred because the claim is disputed. The application of this provision was unclear. The court construed this provision to allow payment of an attorney fee for procurement of the favorable result in a disputed case. The court reasoned that to allow Medicare to avoid paying an equitable share of the procurement attorney fees for a judgment or settlement amount, forcing the plaintiff to cover all the fees would be unfair to plaintiffs. The motion for attorney fees from funds allocated to the Medicare Set-Aside Trust was granted in the amount of nearly $60,000. This opinion has been widely publicized in both the liability and workers' compensation community. It is believed that requests for fees by plaintiff and applicant attorneys out of an MSA settlement will now become more frequent. And now our fraud report. The Orange County District Attorney and the Insurance Commissioner unsealed the grand jury indictment regarding a $17 million workers' compensation insurance overbilling scheme involving two doctors, an administrator, and a bill collector. Dr. Sim Carlisle Hoffman is the chief defendant. He is a radiologist and owner of Advanced Professional Imaging, Advanced Management Services, Better Sleeping Medical Center, and other entities involved in workers' compensation treatment. He is charged with nearly 800 felony counts of insurance fraud, one felony count of aiding and abetting the unauthorized practice of medicine. If convicted, he faces a sentence ranging from 2 to 892 years and 8 months in state prison. Beverly Jane Mitchell, his administrator in charge of insurance billing for all of Hoffman's businesses, faces the same charges and maximum sentence as Hoffman. Dr. Thomas Michael Herrick is a neurologist who worked for Hoffman at the sleep clinic. He is charged with 296 counts of insurance fraud and one felony count of aiding and abetting the unauthorized practice of medicine. If convicted, he faces a sentence ranging from 2 to 315 years and 8 months in state prison. Louis Umberto Santillian worked for Hoffman in billing collections. He is charged with 141 felony counts of insurance fraud and faces a sentence ranging from 2 years up to 150 years in state prison. The investigation started when two sleep center employees filed a complaint with the California Department of Health Services regarding unsanitary conditions and lack of proper patient care at the facility. This complaint was forwarded to Don Marshall, Vice President of the National Anti-Fraud Program for Zenith Insurance Company. Based on this complaint, Zenith began a fraud investigation. Zenith forwarded evidence to authorities that the sleep center was not conducting an appropriate medical business and was overbilling for procedures that had no medical value or necessity. The California Department of Insurance began investigating this case in 2008 and turned the case over to the Orange County District Attorney in June 2010. Following an extensive, lengthy joint investigation, the District Attorney presented the case to the Orange County Grand Jury in May 2011. All four defendants were indicted on May 11th. Oxnard Police Officer Edward Idukas was arrested by members of the Ventura County District Attorney's Bureau of Investigation. 
The arrest follows an investigation into allegations that Aducas committed workers' compensation fraud. In 2009, Aducas reported to his supervisors that he injured his back while bending over at his locker. Aducas was taken to an urgent care facility and, based on his complaints of pain and claims of limited mobility, he was placed on temporary total disability. Over the next several months, Aducas remained on TTD and received disability pay. It was then discovered that Aducas <clears throat> was playing baseball on a weekly basis in a local adult baseball league while continuing to receive TTD benefits from the city of Oxnard. Aducas was observed engaging in prolonged physical activity without any evidence of pain or discomfort. During the time that these activities were taking place, Aducas complained to his doctors and physical therapists that he was too disabled to return to his duties as a police officer. The five-count felony complaint alleges that Aducas violated the workers' compensation fraud provisions of the insurance code. Each count carries a possible maximum penalty of up to three years in state prison and a fine of $150,000. If convicted, Aducas will be ordered to pay restitution and may be ordered to pay for the costs of the investigation. A Whittier psychologist was arrested following his indictment for allegedly orchestrating a scheme to bill the federal government nearly $1 million for medical treatment in a workers' compensation case for fabricated psychological conditions. The indictment charges clinical psychologist Arnold P. Nirenberg, co-founder of the Whittier-based World Legion of Power Bodybuilding Organization, with seven counts of mail fraud. Also charged in the case are two ex-postal workers, Lewis L. Washington of Inglewood and Cedric T. Fletcher of Long Beach. Washington and Fletcher are each charged with two counts of mail fraud and are also each accused of two counts of making false statements to obtain federal employees' compensation. The indictment alleges that from 2000 through 2008, the defendant submitted fraudulent paperwork to obtain compensation for psychological conditions that were never diagnosed and were reimbursed for medical expenses that were never incurred. According to court documents, Nuremberg billed the U.S. Postal Service for nearly $1 million in bogus medical fees and received about half of that. Former postal worker Fletcher allegedly pocketed more than $200,000 as a result of the scheme, while Washington allegedly made more than $145,000. In some instances, Nuremberg allegedly billed the government for treatment sessions with Washington and Fletcher when records indicate the psychologist was out of the area or out of the country. One of his patients was actually an undercover agent posing as a postal worker for whom Nuremberg secured disability pay from the Department of Labor based upon his claimed acute fear of dogs. Each count of mail fraud carries a maximum statutory penalty of 20 years in prison. Nuremberg faces up to 140 years in federal prison, while Washington and Fletcher could be sentenced to as much as 40 years. The indictment is the result of a joint federal investigation involving U.S. US Immigration and Customs, Homeland Security Investigations, the U.S. Postal Service, the Office of Personnel Management, and the Department of Labor Office of Inspector General. Another sting operation was conducted across Santa Cruz County to enforce laws concerning unlicensed contractors and workers' compensation coverage of employees. 
The operation was conducted by investigators from the California State Contractors Licensing Board, California Department of Insurance, and the Santa Cruz District Attorney's Office. The operation was in response to complaints of unlicensed contractors working in the Santa Cruz area and also failing to have required workers' comp coverage on employees. During the operation, seven citations were issued to persons who did not have required workers' compensation insurance for their employees. Additionally, six citations were issued for contractors not being properly licensed. This type of sting operation has been conducted in Santa Cruz County several times before, and further operations are planned in order to gain compliance with the law. And now our medical report. A new article in Reuters Health says that U.S. doctors are too quick to reach for their prescription pads. The study urges them to think more about side effects and non-drug alternatives. The report appears in the Archives of Internal Medicine. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and experts say overprescribing is rampant. Nearly half of all Americans have used at least one prescription drug in the past month. Many doctors are quick to prescribe a drug partly because they have limited time to deal with individual patients or because they and their patients have been bombarded with ads from the pharmaceutical industry. Researchers point out that there are no sales representatives coming to the doctor's offices urging prevention and non-drug alternatives. In an editorial in the same journal, researchers describe how opioid painkillers like Vicodin and Percocet have become increasingly common without good evidence that they help patients in the long run. Dr. Deborah Grady of the University of California, San Francisco, and her colleagues said that the evidence of harm, on the other hand, is clear. In 2007 alone, there were nearly 11,500 deaths related to prescription opioids, a number greater than that of the combination of deaths from heroin and cocaine. Some 4 million prescriptions for long-acting opioids are written every year, with side effects ranging from addiction to constipation to sleepiness. The researchers urge doctors to think beyond drugs and to prescribe new ones much more cautiously. They say that new drugs have usually only been tested in a few thousand patients, often healthier and younger than the ones doctors see in their offices. That leaves a lot of questions about safety, especially since patients often are taking several drugs at the same time. More than a third of people over 60 take five or more drugs at a time, and the number of prescriptions continues to rise. It is hoped that the Workers' Compensation Utilization Review vendors have access to these new studies as they review the science behind the labor code mandate that treatment decisions be guided by evidence-based medicine. And in other news, a California company that represents medical providers in the recovery of billing from workers' compensation insurance carriers announced that data containing the names and social security numbers of approximately 300,000 workers' compensation claimants have been exposed to unauthorized access. Southern California Medical Legal Consultants said it was notified of the exposed data by a security firm that discovered some of the files that they had indexed on Google. Southern California Medical Legal Consultants' clients have included the largest hospital companies in the country, as well as health insurers, HMOs, large public hospitals, medical groups, and union health trusts. The information was stored on a computer that was intended for internal purposes only. 
the president of the company said that internal security policies and procedures were not followed. The company claims they took immediate steps to remediate the situation and are taking long-term measures to ensure that nothing like this ever happens again. They will also notify anyone who could be affected by this incident. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates and for past editions of our news and for much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. I hope to see you again next week for more news.